right. Uh, well, first of all, thank you to all of you who fasted and prayed with us during this last week. We had an amazing night of worship on Thursday night. Um, please continue praying. Uh, continue praying for wisdom, guidance, uh, protection, and, and provision. Uh, th- that time is not done. We had a concerted time of, of praying for that, but we still need all of those things. So um, thanks for, for praying with us. Uh, we do have our last um, capital campaign question and answer time today in our community room uh, right after the service. So if you've not been to one, invite you to come on out. There will be um, some lunch available. So hope you're able to join us. Well, it is my honor and privilege to introduce our speaker this morning. He's not a guest speaker, but it is his first time speaking on Sunday morning. Nick Kane, come on up. It is such a joy to be able to work uh, with Nick. Um, he is a man who just is looking for the Lord. He's always, what's the Lord up to? Um, he just has such a giddiness about seeing Jesus move. Um, he loves our students deeply, really, really loves the students, and they love him. Um, and I just appreciate how he so often has a testimony. Almost every week, he's got a testimony of what, what God's been doing um, in, in his own life or with our students. And so I'm just really excited uh, t- to have him share uh, with us this morning. So I'm going to pray over him. If you want to just extend a hand in agreement um, for, for Nick and, and what the Lord has laid on his heart this morning. So Jesus, thank you so much for Nick. Um, thank you for this word that you have placed within him. Thank you for his story that uh, it is a part of your story. Um, thank you for how you've called him to yourself. You have gifted him and um, that he, like it was said of David, is a man after God's own heart. We, we just bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. So like Adam said, I am the youth pastor here. My name is Nick. And uh, I remember in the summer of 2022, Adam and Randy, they came up to me and they said, Nick, would you consider being one of the interim youth directors here at the Indie Vineyard? And the first verse that came to my mind, you have to stick with me here because this is, uh, it's a pretty serious verse for working with youth, was Matthew 18, 6. So it says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So that's... That's a pretty serious verse, and I mean, I, I am very intentional. I take life, uh, you know, I have a lot of joy, but I also, I, I take the different things that the Lord gives me very seriously, and it has truly been an amazing thing getting to pastor this next generation, getting to shepherd revival in this next generation that's coming up, and after hearing that verse, if you still, in your heart, 
are feeling any sort of desire to help me shepherd working with this youth, then that is the Holy Spirit. And that means that you are, in fact, going to be our next either male or female small group leader. So guys, we have a need at the youth group for a small group leader, male or female. It's five hours a week a commitment. We have youth group every week on Sundays from 4 to 6.30 p.m. And at youth group, we have a snack, we play a game, we do three songs of worship, and then we have a message and we learn about the topic for this evening. And then after that, we split into small groups and they are led by our fearless small group leaders. So you will be an integral and extremely important part of having effective ministry with the generation, the 6th through 12th graders here at the Indy Vineyard. So if that is you, if you are feeling a tug on your heart of, you know what, that could be me, to be that female or male small group leader, come see me after this message. I have applications in my backpack. I'd love to get one in your hand and to meet with you. If you're thinking, you know what, five hours a week, I've got a lot going on right now, that's too big of a commitment, but I do want to get involved with the youth group. Well, you could be on our events team. So that's closer to about five hours every two months. And you essentially will help out with the events that we have throughout the uh, year with the youth group. And one of my favorite ones is in the summer, we invite the new sixth graders into the youth group with this event called the Fiesta Olympics. And it is so funny. It's so fun. And uh, so you get to come and help set up, help facilitate, keep score, and uh, also help clean up at the end. And that is a very important uh, way that you can serve and be a part of the youth group. And maybe you don't think that either one of those are going to fit for you, but you still want to be a part of the youth group. I mean, here at the Indy Vineyard, we are a church that prays. We love prayer. How many are you guys are prayer warriors out there? How many guys love to prayer? Yeah, me too. So what I'm hoping to put together is a a prayer warrior team, a youth group prayer request team. And essentially, we would exchange phone numbers after this message, or you can come find me at any time. And I would send prayer requests ad hoc as they come up. Uh, Like, for example, oh, coming up, we're going to be doing a sermon on sexuality. And I know the enemy does not want like me to speak to our youth about this topic. And so just for increased protection during that time, during that sermon, and increased protection for our youth group during that time. So, uh, guys, it is absolutely my pleasure to be speaking with you. This is the first time I've ever preached at the main service of any church and at this church, and I was praying, yeah, I know, and I'm, I'm stoked, I'm excited, I'm nervous, and I said, okay, God, what do you want me to preach on? And I felt like I heard him say, keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing the main thing, that was a repeated phrase at a college Christian organization that I was involved with, and Randy was too. It's called Crew or Campus Crusade. And they would say that the best story that you can ever share is the gospel, and the second best story is your testimony. 
So I am going to be sharing both of those with you guys today. So Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, You will seek and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I'm going to be sharing with you guys a time where I sought the Lord with all my heart, and then I found him. So I grew up here in Indianapolis. I went to Heritage Christian School. It's just down the road here, a couple minutes away. And uh, I was a lifer. I was there from kindergarten all the way to my senior year, graduated. And, uh, you know, funny as uh, chance would have it, um, the children's pastor here, you guys have two pastors that have graduated from Heritage. Heather Jesse also graduated from Heritage Christian. So uh, you guys, I, I don't know what God's doing, but there are Heritage grads. If you are below the age of 18 and you're here at the Indy Vineyard, you are hanging out with a Heritage grad. So John 3.16 was, I mean, I heard it all the time growing up at Heritage. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, I responded to altar calls, gave my life to the Lord on countless occasions at different camps. Um, it says, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So although I'd heard it many times and interacted with it and even, you know, responded to altar calls, I would say that it did not necessarily reflect where my heart was. So going to Heritage, we had chapel every Thursday, was required. Grew up in a Christian family. I got my parents over there. I didn't even have to drive to church. They were like, all right, get in the car. It's time to go. It would have been an argument if I was like, I'm not going. So being a Christian was going with the flow. It was actually just, it wasn't something I had to choose on my own. It was something where if I just relaxed and did nothing, it would just take me with it. And so it was almost like I was in a lazy river. And so I could just chill out and the current would just take me forward. So I didn't have to do anything, didn't have to exert any effort or force. There was definitely no seeking. It was just kind of allowing it to happen to me. And as I got further into high school, started to think more critically about my faith that I was raised in. And I thought, okay, let's be honest. If I grew up in a different country, let's say Oman, a country where Islam is the main language, sorry, religion. And I went to a private Islamic school, and every Friday, which is when most uh, Muslims go to the mosque, my Muslim family would say, all right, get in the car, you know, we're going to go to the mosque. I would probably be a Muslim right now. And so this wasn't actually something that I'd ever chosen for myself. And I started thinking, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to be a Christian. I'm not sure if I like following all of these rules and not having fun. And so I started being more rebellious. Totally. I thought that it was more fun to not be a Christian. And, uh, well, that is certainly not true. 
I, I mean, testimony after testimony, God does so many incredibly fun things in my life. And I'm just going to, I mean, I, you know, am usually preaching to middle schoolers and high schoolers. Your guys' attention span is a little bit longer, maybe. I mean, my attention span is not. God knew what he was doing. But um, <laughs> so we'll keep this, uh, we'll get you to lunch. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I just um, started thinking, you know what, I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. And I started being increasingly rebellious. So started underage drinking and doing drugs, inappropriate relationships with girls. And I remember my senior year of high school, I was taking a biblical perspectives class. And the teacher, Carter Booker, he said, he taught us about Friedrich Nietzsche. That's how he pronounced it. And he talked about this concept of the ubermensch, or the ultimate man in English. Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, or... (laughs) Randy? (laughs) All right, everyone can... I mean, if you don't remember anything from today... Nietzsche. (laughs) Uh, So Nietzsche talks about the ubermensch, the ultimate man, and a pretty prideful concept. It's essentially someone that life goes so well for, they do not need God, they do not need religion, it's a crutch for the weak. And me, as an 18-year-old with a head this big, wouldn't even fit this mic on it, I was like, you know what? I think that I might be the ubermensch. <laughs> I think that uh, I, I don't know if I uh, need, need God anymore. And so I, uh, and part of that was I was like, you know what? Let's go to business school and not just to business school. I want to go to the number one business school rated by recruiters in the nation. And I got direct admit into it and it just went straight to my head. And then I thought, you know what? I don't want to pay any money for tuition either. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to get a full tuition scholarship. So work towards that. Got that. Goes straight to my head. Uh, There was a really pretty girl in school that was dating me. Straight to my head. So I'm thinking, okay, I don't need God because I am strong. And uh, so I graduated, and I was at a party. And the cops come, and they bust up the party. And uh, I was the only person there to get in trouble. And I know that that was the Lord's provision. That was his hand plucking me out from a different life. And he was humbling me. And so I was thinking, okay, I've never been in trouble like this before. It's just going to be a slap on the wrist. They'll call my parents. They'll definitely be upset, but, you know, I'm going to spend my night at home. That is not what happened. They slapped me into the paddy wagon and took me to the Marion County Jail where I spent the night. And, I mean, I was a late bloomer. When I was 18, I looked like I was 15 years old. And (laughs) there's this little kid in jail. And... uh, yeah, it was horrifying. And so I go and I, I talk to the judge afterwards, and he said, Nick, you have a two-year probationary period 
where if nothing else happens, then you're good. But, and this will be expunged from your record, but if something else bad happens, if you get in trouble for underage drinking again, uh, then you are going to go to prison, possibly up to six months. I was like, uh, whoa, 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 what, dog? Like, this is, uh, I want to stand out on my resume, but not like this. I, I don't want them to be looking at my application and be like, oh, okay, spent some time in prison his freshman year in business school. Like, I, it's like, ugh, this is not good. And uh, so I started thinking strategically. I was like, you know what? Strategically, it would be better to become a Christian right now. <laughs> and... So I just was like, uh, I thought, you know, okay, when I look around at all the little goody two-shoes at Heritage, it was the ones that actually were really excited about their relationship with God that weren't being rebellious and doing all these things that would land me back in prison. And so because of these concepts that I was raised in by my family, I instinctively knew that if I have a relationship with God, that is the best thing that I can do to change my heart and change my behavior. Sin management is not the most effective way. And so when we repent, we're actually turning away from what we're doing and returning towards something, returning towards Jesus. And so I knew that I needed to turn towards Jesus. So Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I had definitely sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, I mean, you name it. Like, pride, uh, just like, you know, being drunk. Many different things. So, I was thinking, okay, it's time to become a Christian how are we going to do that? Think. Let's put, let's put our brain to the test. How are we going to do this? And I remembered back to when I was 11. I went to summer camp. It was a Christian summer camp, Spring Hill, with my dad. And we went to this thing called Dads and Lads. And there was a meteor shower there. And I remember watching that media sh- meteor shower and thinking, there has to be a God I just had never seen something so beautiful before. And so I went out into the woods behind our house, and I started yelling out. I was like, God, where are you? Will you reveal yourself to me? I want to know you. And so I was, Jeremiah 29, 13, I was seeking the Lord, and then I found him when I sought him with all my heart. So I'm going to read a special verse to you guys that um, I didn't hear it growing up, but it's something that I know to be very true in my heart now. Romans 1.20. So, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. I'm going to read it one more time. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse.
And so I was experiencing the Lord's divine nature, his eternal power, when I would go out into the woods. And so I intuitively went out there, and I still experienced that. I mean, this, uh, this past weekend, I mean, as a pastor, my weekend is uh, Friday, Saturday. And so this past weekend, I went out into the woods, and I went rock climbing in the Red River Gorge, and I was just blown away. I was just like, God, you are here. You made all of this. I can see your attributes. I mean, I, oh, I love rock climbing so much. I had my golden retriever with me. It was amazing. And I just was blown away by a God that loves us so much that he would not just make these cliffs, but I mean, rock climbing has not been popular until about 50 years ago. And so until about before until about 50 years ago, no one had even touched or experienced the like individual holds that I'm grabbing. And so I'm just grabbing the individual holds and be like, God, you love me that much that you knew that I was just going to fall in love with just grabbing these individual grips and um, just the detail of how much he loves us is incredible. It can be seen in his creation. So, as I was crying out to the Lord, he answered that prayer through my mom. So my mom, she says, Nick, I think that this retreat could be great for you. It's called Great Banquet. And I thought that there would definitely be people that also have been to Great Banquet, have had their life changed by it. It goes by other names as well. Lamplighters, Tres Dias, I know uh, Sean is a leader with Chase Diaz. Curcio, I know Randy went through it when it was called Curcio, or still is. There's many versions. I highly suggest it. And when I was there, I experienced the love of God for the first time. Actually, I experienced the love and power of God for the first time. And uh, afterwards, I gave it away to the world, which is our mission here at the Indy Vineyard. So come on, let's go. And uh, it's also our mission at the youth group. And uh, our big win is forced. No, I won't do that right now. But unless you want to hear it, I'll tell it to you. Um, But uh, so I experienced the love and power of God at the Great Banquet. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone that has not been through it. I highly suggest it. Um, There's a lot of things that they want to keep private, but I'll say that I was seeing a bunch of men that were much older than me breaking down crying, getting hit with the love and power of God. And I remember sitting there thinking as an 18-year-old, you're a man, pull yourself together. Why are you crying? And I have a much more mature understanding of my emotions now, standing here at 31. I, when I see someone crying, I say, yes, thank you, more. Just get it all out. Don't let that sit in there. It's not good for you. So I, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage the tears. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I cry all the time. I cried while I was practicing. So, <laughs> uh, so at the end of the retreat, I'm sitting on the... Uh, concrete sidewalk of Grace Community Church up in Westfield, and I was feeling so loved by all the different people in my life, and I always thought, okay, if I ever did decide to, okay, I'm going to give the Lord my entire life, I'm going to follow him all out like I see people do in the Bible, that it would be something I would come to up here 
and then it would disseminate down, and I would believe it in here. But that was actually not how God came and found me. And so as I was feeling so loved by all the people in my life, I started to experience the love of God physically. I could feel it on my skin. And I was feeling my hair on my skin stand up. And I, was, I looked up in the sky, and I was like, God, is that you? And I experienced my first impression, which essentially I just had a knowing that the Lord was saying to me, Nick, you are my son. You've lived for yourself these first 18 years, and now you're going to start living for me. And there was a Saul to Paul conversion moment right there on those steps. My life was totally changed, and it was right in time to go onto IU's campus and to bring his gospel onto IU's campus. I remember I started out my year at IU, and it was so hard to make friends. Everyone was going out and going to parties and going crazy because they were finally out of the house. I remember one of my friends, he was like, friends, I mean, it was, I would get to hang out a little bit, but we just have brief conversations, and then they'd go and party, but his name was Caveman, and uh, Caveman, he was like, Nick, I know your type. He's like, in a couple months, he's like, you're, you know, you're a Bible beater now, but in a couple months, you're finally going to understand that partying's really fun, and you're going to walk away from your faith. And I said, caveman, can I tell you a story? He's like, what? I was like, mm, like six weeks ago, I was in jail for underage drinking. And he was like, oh, I, uh, <laughs> okay. And so, and then I just shared my testimony with him and then just shared how, how my life had been so radically transformed by the Lord. His life could be radically transformed right here, right then. Caveman did not give his life to the Lord that day, but... It was a great conversation. And so I was in my room, and I was reading Acts, and it just felt like I was reading it for the first time. Like the words were just jumping off the page. Like the disciple stories were so exciting. And I was just reading about how they were publicly flogged for believing in Jesus and that they actually left that situation rejoicing because they were deemed worthy to suffer on behalf of the Lord. And I started bawling, and I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so lonely right now, and I don't have friends. I'm getting to suffer in a really small way because of my love for the Lord. I'm, I get to be like the disciples, and I want to grow more and more to be like them. And so, going from Heritage, then to IU, if Heritage was a lazy river, IU was the Colorado River, which... <laughs> cuts through the Grand Canyon, going the opposite direction. And so being at IU, if you are not literally leaning forward into your relationship with God and actively taking steps each day, then you're just going to get washed away. There was no more just relaxing into it. Every single day, I had to flex my muscle and say, God, I seek you, and I choose you, and I'm going to walk with you. 
And by the end of my time at IU, I had strong thighs. My legs were ready to walk. And so it was such a sweet time getting to do ministry at IU. And God just continued to change my heart more and more. And he took my desires and he spoke identity over me. And so come my senior year, I mean, I had transitioned to, I mean, I still love business, I'm entrepreneurial, but I had essentially double majored, well, triple majored in uh, ministry in that I was doing, like ministry was the most important thing. I would do my classes and I did my best at them, but I also, I just loved getting to do ministry on IU's campus. In my senior year, I was praying and I also, I just want to apologize. I feel like that maybe came off as prideful, so I apologize for that. Um, so, I'm also very sensitive. Uh, so, I, uh, my senior year, I'm praying a prayer that probably every single Christian college student in the history of Christian college students has prayed to God. He's heard this prayer so many times. He's very used to it. And I said, God, what do you want me to do after graduation? What do you want me to do for a job? Where do I work? What do I do? Please provide me a job. And so I've been praying that for months. And it was the spring, and we did a day of outreach on IU's campus. And we were celebrating all of the uh, like people coming to know the Lord and just how an amazing time of just like stepping out and sharing. And the second to last song that we were singing in that worship set, I remember I was raising my hands and we're just singing and we're like, holy, we just, we're singing it out. We're loving it. We're belting it. And uh, then I heard the words, lead my people. And it was so distinct that I opened up my eyes, and I looked to my side, my right, my left, and to see who said it. And the guys standing next to me were, they just had their eyes closed, and they just were raising their hands, and they did not say it. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, is that you, God? And start crying. And the worship set ended, and then my brother comes up to me, and He's sitting right there. He said, Nick, what we, I don't know, whatever was going on during that second to last song, do that thing. The Lord just placed you on my heart really strongly. And I mean, who loves a confirmation? I just was like, God, come on, let's go. And, uh, and so it was with great pleasure that I uh, went into ministry after my senior year of college and not just because the Lord had called me into that, but he gave me such a gift during my time at IU. And that gift came in the form of a man named Johnny Gooder. And so a lot of you guys know Johnny, maybe even birth Johnny. Um, <laughs> uh, but Johnny... He uh, was my disciple my senior year, his freshman year. And it was life-changing getting to disciple Johnny Gooder. He talked about his relationship with the Lord. And even just, the, not just the way he talked about it, the way he lived it out was like no one I've ever seen before. It just was like, 
I was drawn to him like a moth to the flame. I just was like, there's something about him that's so different. He understood grace in a way that I just had never experienced before. And he would say things like, you know what, Nick? I love this rock climbing that you showed me, but I feel like I heard the Lord say, take six months off from rock climbing and just study his word. And then I just was like, wait, let's go back a second. You heard the Lord say? And this was before I heard the lead my people thing. He was someone that brought that concept into my life. I was like, I did not know that you could hear from the Lord. Like, I would read the Bible, but like hear from God, like if I can hear from God, I want to hear from God. I want to learn from you everything I can. And he's like, well, Nick, my dad's a pastor. I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, he pastors this church called the Indy Vineyard. You want to come? You can come learn about it. I was like, okay, sure. And so in 2015, I walked through those doors for the first time. And I remember after the service, I went up to the ministry team. I think it was Dale Crabtree. He prayed over me, and he told me things about myself. I mean, I, I'm just meeting Dale, you know, for the first time. He doesn't know who I am. He probably doesn't even remember this. And he's praying over this, and he just, he's starting to tell me things about myself that there's no way that he could have known. I just feel so incredibly known and seen by God. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I gotta keep going to the Indy Vineyard because I want to keep like experiencing what happened at ministry time. It is literally like God is so good to his children. In John 1.12, it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And guys, when you become his child, I mean, how many of you guys are parents in the room? And how many of you guys as parents like to see your kid's face light up when you give them a gift? I mean, that is, like, God, we are made in the Lord's image, and he is a perfect, perfect God. And so when he gives us a good gift, his, lice, his face lights up. He is not a God that looks down on us in disappointment. He looks down on us with, like, this grandparent love of just, like, you can do no wrong in my eyes. And you may be thinking, okay, how is that possible in light of Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? How can God look down on me and think that I can do no wrong? And it's because his son came and took all of our sins. And because of that, he sees Jesus instead of our sins. And so he just looks at us and he's like, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know the hairs on your head. My, the amount of thoughts that I have for you are as many as the sands in the sea. Guys, do you know how many thoughts that is? If you were to take the average amount of thoughts, so the average person has 6,000 thoughts a day. And no, it's 60,000 thoughts a day. And you... Multiply that across the lifespan of a human. That amount of thoughts, if you were to put it into a cup, it would fill a cup about halfway of sand. And so for God to have the amount of thoughts of sands on the seashore for us, I mean, it's ridiculous. I used to think that, 
okay, if I'm going to give a prophetic word to someone, I have to get it just right. There's just one word. But actually, when we are giving a prophetic word to someone, when Dale gave me that prophetic word, we're simply pulling down from heaven and just speaking what the Lord is saying about that person. And if he's having that many thoughts about him, there's a lot of different things that can be said. So as I've been sharing my testimony, as I've been sharing the gospel, if there was anything in your heart that's starting to pull on you and say, you know what, I might be in that lazy river. I might just be going with the flow of what's going along uh, around me. Or perhaps maybe you've never uh, been in the river at all. Maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord. This is your time today. This is the Lord talking to you, saying, hey, I love you so much, and I want to just be with you. When we say, God, I love you, like, you don't even have to say, God, I love you. You can just say, God, I love you too, because he is saying it first. He is right there waiting, ready for us to just say, Dad, I love you, and I just want to be with you, and he just scoops you up. And so just as an uh, act of faith, and for it to even be something that can just stick more, if you are someone that wants to exit out of the lazy river and wants to start being more intentional with your walk with the Lord, you want to make it your own, if you want to have a relationship with the Lord for the first time, will you just raise your hand it's just an act of obedience. Must be patient, because I know it's scary. <laughs> so if you are someone that is in that place, then pray with me now. The words that I'm saying, it's not a magical incantation. It's really a posture of your heart. So you don't have to say the exact right words to have the Lord come into your heart. It's simply a posture of your heart. So you can repeat after me. Jesus, I want to know you in a personal way. I want to invite you to come and be the Lord of my life. I recognize that I have sinned and I'm not perfect. But you came and lived a perfect life, so I don't have to. I accept you into my life. And I want to become more like you every day for the rest of my life. I would say amen, but one of our youth volunteers, he, uh, he likes to say that I never say amen because I'm always talking with God. And so you can just keep talking with him for the rest of your life. And guys, if you made that decision, like heaven is ecstatic right now. It is cheering. Like there are armies of 
angels just singing and celebrating what is going on. And so I am just so excited for what the Lord has come and what he is doing um, with us today. So eternal life does not start when we die. It actually starts when we accept him into our life. And so you get to start living that exciting, amazing, and fun Christian life now. And God can come and he can come start talking with you and giving you guidance and what to do. And so, speaking of guidance, I'm going to guide the uh, ministry team to come on up to the front. And uh, these are people uh, just like Dale, who maybe even, you know, might grace the front today. Uh, (laughs) You might get to have them pray for you. Uh, That can pray for you. Um, If you uh, are someone that made that decision today, you can come up and have further prayer Um, If you're someone that honestly just wants prayer for anything, if you just want to experience the Lord like I did back in 2015, coming up front, have an encounter with the Lord, come and get prayer. And I know God is here. He is present and he's going to come and be with you. So Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you are coming that we don't have to live a perfect life because you lived a perfect life and uh, that you are not angry or mad at us, but that you just look down with us with love because of what your son has done. And uh, your name, amen.